Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I'm always talking about four types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom, and always scouring the globe looking for entrepreneurs on the cutting edge, the leading edge, making an impact. So today we have a very interesting guest, uh, Barbara Sloan, and she's the author of Tipped Finance. It's a very fascinating book. Um, I recommend that you check it out after this. And um, she's going to tell you all about her journey, her story, and we'll talk about the power of niching down. So Barbara, welcome. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know we had uh, we had connected through FinCon. And Sorry, I think I lost you a little bit there. So nice to have you on the show. I know we had connected through uh, FinCon and, you know, you talked about your book and you've recently spoken at Economy. So tell us more about your story, your background and how you got started. Yeah, it was so great to meet you at FinCon. I met you at the author booth when uh, my book was still just an idea, right? Like I came to FinCon for the first time looking for kind of proof of concept. And I was just like, is this crazy? Is this crazy for me to to niche down this much and to talk to this very specific audience? And you were just so helpful and gave so much great perspective about the writing process and you know, your experience in the community and within your own niche. And I found it really valuable. So again, thank you so much for that. Um, a little bit about me. When people first meet me today, they know me as a woman-owned construction company in the heart of Manhattan. I do high-end renovations. But what they don't know is that I spent 20 years working in the service industry, um, largely in tandem, but a lot of times instead of. And so people who may have experienced that industry may be aware, but most of your audience probably hasn't. And so they're likely unaware of the fact that it's a unique industry that has a lot of challenges and they're the most ignored when it comes to personal finance advice. So the service industry professionals age into the most economically disadvantaged population in our country today. Um, Most of them experience low poverty, some of them experience homelessness, um, housing insecurity, and majority of retired SIPs, which is an acronym I use for service industry professionals, um, rely solely on social, which if you know anything about the industry, you also know that they aren't claiming the full amount of their income. And so likely they're not even on the receiving end of even a portion of what's supposed to be a partial income replacement benefit. So um, when I dove into these numbers, it really it really impacted me. And I realized that these people needed some attention in the personal finance space and that they were really being ignored. Mm. Yeah, like in um, 
And uh, so I know for you know a lot of individuals, when you say service industries, um, what court, what sort of um, occupations, jobs are you referring to? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I love when I I love when people in the personal finance space ask this because I I like the analogy of like it's sort of like a brokerage account. Like when we when we think about a brokerage account, any account that's offered at a brokerage account is a brokerage account. But when we talk about a brokerage account, what we're all talking about is an after tax account, right? Even though every account is a brokerage account, so it's very similar in the service industry every job has an aspect of service to it, right? But when we're talking about the service industry, what we're talking about typically are people who are working in restaurants, bars, clubs, people who have the $2.13 federal subminimum wage. So those employees are the only people who have an entirely separate subminimum wage than the rest of the country. And so most of their employment is found in bars, restaurants, and clubs. So servers, bartenders, um, hairstylists, people in body and beauty services, people in transportation services, delivery services, things like that. Yeah. And, uh, and you describe, you go on to describe uh, how tipped workers are excluded from traditional wealth building opportunities. Give us some examples and to help shed light. Yeah. So on the income side, like many entrepreneurs and gig workers and consultants, there's a lot of income variability. And so people in this industry typically don't know how much they're going to make in a given week, which makes budgeting really hard, managing money, setting up savings goals, things like that on the income side are really, really difficult. But when we look at systems as well, most nine to fivers, they have a system of safety nets where they walk away when they get paid with their net income. And then with their net income, there are all of these other safety nets that have been taken care of. So within that includes things like health insurance, which people in the service industry don't have access to, 401k, people in the service industry don't have access to that, paid time off policies, people in the service industry don't have access to that, human resources, human resources, human resources is the number one reason that people in America build wealth, because they have something that everybody needs, which is automation. We have In my book, we call her Sharon, HR Sharon, she's our, our hero in HR, but you sit down with someone from HR and they're like, check this box. You need to invest for your retirement. And that's how most Americans build wealth. The second most popular way that Americans build wealth is through real estate, through their primary residence. Mm -hmm. So such a hurdle for people in the service industry. One, because again, they're not claiming their income in full. And so it's hard for them to get two years of tax returns that look like it's enough for them to put a down payment. And then two, just that income variability makes it hard for you to save when you're not able to really manage your money from a month to month basis as easily. Yeah. We in you know you brought up so many um really important points. And uh so one thing is uh so I'm assuming in your book you talk about claiming tips uh and um gratuities is so important is and that's because so that they can have the income returns to qualify to purchase a house. Is that correct? Yeah. So claiming your income is really, really important. And people may assume that this industry doesn't claim their income for nefarious reasons or selfish reasons. But really, when you think about most Americans, most Americans don't track their expenses, right? It, from a transaction to transaction basis, it's the same for people who are working on a tip-based or inconsistent income. They're not claim, They're not tracking their income. And so it's not information that's as easily and readily available for them when tax time comes around. So they're usually like throwing a dart at a wall or 
asking someone at H&R Block, I don't know, how much do you think I made? Or, you know, so <laughs> it's it's part of it is the systems and part of it is just also a lack of financial literacy. Yeah, yeah. And we can, and now we can uh, go into, delve into more specifics. So um, how can people living off tip or uh, fluctuating income, how can they budget or what are some of your strategies that you recommend? Yeah, I mean, so the first thing I like to do is recognize that it's harder for harder for people with a variable income. It's harder for you to budget, especially if you're someone who's a lower middle income earner. It, you're going to be closer to the line. Everything's going to be tighter. People who are high earners who are living on an extremely fluctuating income, they don't have this challenge because they likely have buffers built in, other, other levers that they can pull on. But for people who are low and middle income, it's definitely harder. And so I like to acknowledge the fact that it's it's going to be a little more challenging, but it's not impossible. Every company in America has a fluctuating income. And so if we just learn and lean into the practices that they do, then we can actually budget. So the first thing is that there's trends. Every industry has trends. And that's what businesses look for. They never have the same income every single month. So what people who are budgeting in large corporations do is they look for trends, they set goals, and then they look back to see if they they hit their targets and their goals. And if they did or they didn't, they make adjustments. And so that's what people who are working on fluctuating income need to do as well. They need to look for trends. If you're in the service industry, there's always trends. Maybe your summers are busier because you you work at a patio. Or if you work at a club, then you know your summers are going to be slower and your sporting events are going to be slower. Your holiday season is going to be really busy and you're going to have a lot of additional income during those holiday times. So when you look for those trends, you can set targets for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, which is interesting because, uh, <clears throat> you know, as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you're budgeting, you know, for the, you know, for the first almost quarter, you know, you have like taxes, you know, everything from uh, Thanksgiving, December, you know, all those bills do. Um, and then, you know, then like kind of what you talk about looking at trends um, and you talk about what are fun ways that tip workers can save for an emergency fund. Yeah, I love this one. So one of the reasons that an emergency fund is super important for people in the service industry, or even anyone who's an entrepreneur, gig worker, somebody who's working on fluctuating income, but more specifically for people who are working in the service industry is that when you are waiting on someone, when you are serving someone, there is a power imbalance. And so in order to keep yourself safe, you have to make sure that each person that you're waiting on, you are not reliant on their tip. And mm. the way that you make sure that you're not reliant on somebody's tip or money is that you build in that emergency fund, that buffer of money that you can rely on. Typically, it's three to six months, depending on, you know, what kind of work you're in. Um, for people who are in the service industry, it's typically a little easier for them to find employment if they've lost employment or ha have had turnover. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe you start with three months and then and move from there. And for your gig workers or people who are more specialized, you would maybe want to ramp that up from six months to 12 months. But so some fun ways that I like to talk to people about saving up for their emergency fund is to gamify it. It All of this finance stuff is so jargony and boring and you just get, oh gosh, right? So I try to take a really fun approach to it. Let's say that you're a waitress and you're waiting tables in a bar and you've got a section of six tables. I like to call out one of those tables as your saving sections. So one of those tables is going to be building your emergency fund. And I will tell you that you will treat that table so much more different, so much more special, because you know that that table is going to be there for you in, in the time of needs. 
Same thing. If you're at a bar, pick two or three seats at your bar. That's your investing section. Those people are going to be paying you for the rest of your life. Another strategy may be taking your really bad tips and investing those. Like if mm. someone if someone screws you over and they give you 10% or something like that, invest that. Like, oh, you didn't want to give me 20%. I'll turn it into 20% by investing it. So there's just some fun ways that you can gamify it by either playing with sections or maybe like the color of shirt somebody's wearing if they're walking into your club so that it doesn't feel like such a slog getting to some of those savings goals. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like kind of like finding the joy in 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 um in kind of like what you describe is like making a game out of it, um, which is re really interesting. Um, talk about, uh, for example, um, you talked about the safety nets, especially like um, health insurance. Um, for how can people set up their own benefits if their employer doesn't provide them? Yeah. So 90% of employers in the service industry are small mom and pop shops. And so it's not that these employers don't want to pay a fair wage and don't want to provide benefits for their staff. It's that it's expensive to manage things like a 401k compliance, or it's expensive to hire somebody to do HR. And so and so oftentimes it's not feasible for them to have this level of overhead. Um, and so while we hope that there's change these last few years were really hard on those business owners. So I don't think change is going to be happening in the next few years, but like maybe we can hope for it in the next decade. But so for people who don't have those employer provided benefits, such as things like healthcare or paid time off or 401k for paid time off, I like to look for those seasons of abundance. So let's say your, your holidays towards the end of the year are going to be a really great time for you to be getting a lot of extra income. I like to say that's a great time to save for next year's paid time off. So maybe over December, you make an extra $1,000, split that $1,000 into 10 envelopes or into a bank account that's for your paid time off and give yourself 10 paid, times off, paid, paid days off for the next year. Mm. Um, the same thing for health insurance. You know, you may not be able to get part of a group policy, but you still have access to the marketplace. You still have access to, to health shares and health ministries. There's so much information out there. And even if you're not able to afford health insurance right away, you're not going to turn your financial life around overnight. So a lot of these things we need to layer in. Maybe health insurance isn't something that you can afford this year, but maybe a term life insurance policy is if you have kids or a spouse who's dependent on your income. And so maybe if health insurance feels outside of you know what's possible for your money this year you can you can layer that in over time but the marketplace is is a great resource for people to go to to be able to check out and i'm sure you would have great <laughs> uh <laughs> suggestions for people with health insurance as well i'm not super familiar with what's available as far as the health shares or yeah. or maybe the health ministries that make it a little more you know inexpensive yeah yeah a lot of uh you, there's a lot of um very affordable plans um you know that's just reserved for you know um catastrophic um and then and then most and then uh you can take care of yourself eat eat healthy work out you know minimize stress sleep all of that um one thing uh, before we talk about the book um you talk about um scarcity mindset and especially in the service industry workplace environment sabotaging goals um what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think maybe this is where physicians can can find some uh, you know some overlap in our in our audiences is that 
Typically, these are long shifts. Typically, these people are working 80 hours a week. Typically, they're on their feet. Typically, they're exhausted. They're over-caffeinated. They're under, you know, they don't get enough water. They're, you know, so these are very hardworking people who are self-sacrificing. Same thing with people in, in health healthcare profession. You are serving somebody else oftentimes before you're taking care of yourself. I can't tell you how many shifts I worked where I, I didn't go to the bathroom because I was like running around trying to take care of everybody else. And so whether you're in, you know, the healthcare industry or whether you're in the service industry, likely you kind of self-abandon at first. And it's really important to be aware of when you're doing those things, like not taking care of yourself because both in health, in, in the healthcare industry and in the service industry, your body, yourself, you are the product. You yeah. are your, your knowledge, your capabilities to connect with people, to entertain people, to serve people, to share with people. That's the service. And so if you're not well, then you will not be performing well. And therefore you will not be of service and or receiving, you know, the income that you deserve. Yeah. So it's really important to take care of your mind, your body, and to protect yourself from a lot of those environmental hazards. Every industry has workplace hazards. Most people get trained for their hazards. Now, I'll, I would let you speak to whether physicians get trained on the hazards of their their you know place of employment, but SIPs are typically not trained on a lot of the hazards that they encounter. So very similarly to physicians, we work with the general public. The general public has a way of chipping at your confidence, sucking up your energy, crossing boundaries, uh, you know, like in a lot of ways that are not good for your mental health. And so you have to learn how to protect your energy. You have to learn how to say no, put boundaries in place. Boundaries are so important. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and especially, you know, healthcare, it's, you know, the burnout rate, it, it's really, it's an extremely chaotic, you know, it reminds me of almost like a war zone type situation. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's like you said, it's in every industry. Um, now, uh, tell us more about your book and, um, you know, I know I've recently won a lot of awards. Um, and it's so interesting, like how, you know, your entrepreneurial mindset in the, in the industry and in your way of giving back. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I was very honored to receive, um, to be included as one of the top five personal finance books to read for 2023 by Forbes magazine. I was blown away because to me, this, this book is very niche, right? Like in my head, it's a small, it's a small section of the personal finance space. We are talking about over 5.5 million people working in the second largest employment sector, but in my head, it was still very niche, but to see that so many people are finding this applicable, even outside of the service industry has been you know, one of the best compliments that people have been able to to give me um, on the book. So the book's doing really, really well. And I think the other thing I'm learning is that we all have, we can all learn from somebody else, even if it's from a different industry and even if it's in the least suspecting place. So maybe you didn't think that you'd be getting your personal finance advice from a former stripper or a former waitress or a former bartender but we all have things we can learn from each other and from a different perspective. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned from interviewing so many SIPs and building out my coaching practice is that these are people who have to learn that even though their professions and their jobs are very non-traditional, 
that they can have success down traditional avenues like personal finance. And so I think maybe what's very similar is for people in, in the healthcare industry is that they are people who are used to that very structured, um, very Check the traditional, <laughs> traditional path. And maybe for those, those people, those physicians or people in the healthcare industry, what they can learn from this industry is that you can do a lot of things not traditionally and still have great success. And yeah. you can do things that are not traditionally for the sake of you only have one life. And so I, I really love the crossover of our our platforms. And I really love love the crossover of tipped finding its way out into the mainstream because I'm getting to see that this is this is a valuable book for everybody. Yeah. And um yeah, that's it's wonderful. And um uh it's like, you know, I started the podcast and I, that's why I interview non-physicians and try to get physicians to wake up and you know smell the coffee and see that there's other things there's other avenues you can do other things um and there's like you said non-traditional ways of achieving success um how can people contact you follow you reach out to you um and check out your book yeah so the book's available on amazon you can just type in tipped or tipped book um people can reach out to me on my website which is www.tippedfinance.com or on the socials, I'm at tipped finance on all the socials. I mostly hang out on Instagram. Um, I like to make personal finance memes. And I also like to, I recently started doing some stand-up. So I've been posting some of my personal finance stand-up clips uh, on my Instagram account too. But yeah, that's those are the I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do speaking gigs. I just did a, a gig at Economy, which was a lot of fun. So yeah, please, please reach out and connect. I'd love that. Yeah. And let's thank uh Barbara for coming on to the show and really um providing a unique one-of-a-kind perspective uh, all of her social media handles will be in the links and show notes and as well as the link to her book which you should check out on amazon and uh, with that thanks so much for coming on to the show thanks chris listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week